The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. Hello, hello. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back to the show, Culture Insanity. This is episode number 10, I believe, yeah? 10? Of season 3. <laughs> season 3, episode 10. So welcome back. We are still on lockdown. So, we all have time to be listening to today's show. <laughs> Thanks for those of you that are already with us. Welcome. Hey, Pastor Monty, how are you? Ah, uh, just peachy. How's life in your home? Being stuck. That's good. I mean, I was just going to ask Josh, you know, if he uh, if he saw my uh, post to the progeny uh, the other day, where I've got the the fire going outside and I'm sitting enjoying the warm weather with a fire. You and, put a fire outside yeah, in 75 degree weather. Yeah, well, sure. it's not 75 degrees at night. No, when the sun goes down, it gets a little cool. All right, perfect then. time to have the fire going and enjoying the. The night sky? Yeah, yes, great. yes, I did see your picture with your fire in the uh, in your backyard. Um, I just I'm not impressed by things like that. So <laughs> that's why you follow my social media. I never post anything. It's true. I don't put it there to impress you, Josh, because I know you're not impressed. All right. <laughs> I'm just saying I enjoy it. Yes. All right. So. Welcome back to the show, episode number 10. Where am I getting updates from? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I guess I should say important weekend for us. Yeah, important um, weekend for believers, despite it being a weird one because of the whole coronavirus thing. This is Easter weekend, Resurrection Sunday is tomorrow, so that's obviously something exciting. Um, is this Easter weekend? Resurrection weekend. But yes, yes Easter weekend. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did you do anything? Anything to celebrate Good Friday? Uh, no, I don't celebrate Good Friday. Okay. The views in this program. Every, <laughs> every Friday, every Friday is Good Friday for me because the work week is ending. Okay, you're one of those types. All right, TGIF types. Well, there you are. <laughs> uh, anyways, so. We have just a few things on our on our docket to talk about today. I think Josh posted about them on our page, but we're going to be talking a little bit about Drew Pinsky, who mm-hmm, you might know mm-hmm. as Doctor Drew. Doctor Drew, um, the, the once Dr. the Drew. once great Doctor Drew. He's still great. I like him. Yeah, I like I like what he has to say. I like hearing him. Uh, we're going to be talking about Disney, um, and we're going to be talking about Hulk Hogan and. It should go without saying, however annoying it is to me personally, that everything is still centered around this whole COVID thing, Um, because the world and life and culture is trying to adapt to what we're going through. So naturally, that's what we're going to be talking about as these stories come up, Um, because it's what's what's we're all going through. So Yeah. um, yeah, so first up. Dr. Drew, so recently in the last month, month and a half, as this whole uh, thing, the whole corona thing is transpiring, uh, Drew, Dr. Drew is pretty outspoken about um, COVID and 
what his take on it is and stuff like that. And he was um, he was in the the news. Um, I think he has he has a, he has a couple different shows, but he was pretty adamant that the coronavirus is um, not as bad as as the media. Specifically, he was picking a fight with the media. I don't know if he was picking a fight, but sure, he was picking on the media for blowing it out of proportion, and he was. I think he was using like pretty strong language towards the media. Saying, I mean, he's you know, that's what he does, right? Shame on them for you know inducing this kind of panic, and they are perpetuating this sort of fear mentality around something like this. And keep in mind, this was um, I would call it in its relative infancy as this was developing. This was you know in the first couple weeks of March, and now we're in what, mid-April, officially, something like that. Mm -hmm. And as anyone knows that's been paying attention to this pandemic, what's going on today and what we know about things today is different than what's going on tomorrow or even 12 hours. So it's a very, very, very fluid thing um, with information constantly coming out and, and all these things. Anyways, he was outspoken about it, saying that it's not that bad. Follow specifically, he was... Um, he was encouraging people to listen to Fauci, um, Dr. Fauci, who's the... Right. When he was saying that it wasn't bad, he wasn't saying don't listen to medical experts. Mm-hmm. And, and he was he was upfront about that, and he repeated himself several times <clears throat> about that. Like, it's not as bad as the media was presenting. It's not something that should be shutting down the economy, all these different things. Do your diligence, you know, listen to Fauci. He said it several times over the course of those, you know, couple weeks. Um, and for those of you who don't know... His name's Anthony Fauci, right? Yeah. Anthony Fauci. Tony. Is the guy that's been basically advising the president um, for the last, what, past 30 years or something like that? Multiple presidents yeah. for yeah, he's the, four he's different an presidents. So right, yeah. He's, he's an expert in this particular field. Yeah, and he's um, he's been pretty um, bipartisan over his career because – you know, yeah, to think, him, it doesn't matter who's president. He's just trying to give the best medical and right. scientific advice humanly possible. I that think he it's can offer. four. I think it's four presidents. Yeah, which spans, you know, at least a couple decades, considering, you know, we've <clears> had <throat> multiple presidents. Soon. I would just say, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but let's be careful to note that in the beginning of what was happening with this, Dr. Fauci had made some significant errors as well, but he's adopted as things have changed. Right, and that's going to be part of our conversation today. But back to Dr. Drew. So Dr. Drew, you know, don't be um, swept away by the media's, um, what would you call it, like blowing up of this issue. Listen to Fauci, do your diligence, wash your hands, be be sanitary and all these things. Um, But he was really sort of put on blast for that take, I guess. Um, and since then, um, it's and what it's April 11th, like I said, mid April, it's about a month since he started making those kind of claims. Um, since then he's recanted that stance. Um, you know, he's saying things like, and I'm sure Josh can post the article for you. I did both actually. Yeah. He has original statement and then I have the, cool. yeah. yeah. Saying things like, um, you know, he apologizes and, you know, he's come out in public and, you know, recanted and said, saying things like he was part of a chorus, um, you know, on the wrong side, saying the wrong things, encouraging the wrong things. He so says, I got it wrong. Basically. Yeah, basically, you know, saying I got it wrong. His assessment of it 
uh, was not right, and it's worse than he was willing to suggest, and you know whatever. But stand, stood, still stands behind the fact that you should listen to to Fauci as the leading like authority on the matter for our our country. Um, so the question uh, the question for us to sort of dissect, and I have like several sort of questions surrounding Dr. Drew and where he's coming from and stuff and the whole coronavirus thing is um, do we have a moral obligation to um, publicly apologize uh, when we make a mistake, a misjudgment, or a bad call? Like is, is it a moral issue uh, at that point? So obviously he is a public figure, and so when he says something, it reaches a large number of people. Um, so is there some sort of moral responsibility that um, you have? Um, and I say he's a public figure, but I was thinking actually about that in the shower today, um, shower thought. Because of social media, we are all public figures on some level, right? It's arguable, sure. Yeah. I guess maybe if your like, Facebook <clears throat> is private, then you know it's only public in as much as you allow it to be. Right. But um, – yeah, you, like Josh says, it's arguable that we're all public figures. But do you guys think there's some sort of moral issue um, involved in this discussion? And you know, using Dr. Drew as an example of, you know, this is where he was, and he's since recanted. What do you guys think? Well, let's pull up his his original statement. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's see. His original statement was this. This is what the Washington Times posted. Let's see. A um, a bad flu season is 80,000 dead. We've got about 18,000 dead from influenza this year. We have 100 from corona. Wh- uh, which which should you be worried about, influenza or corona? 100 versus 18,000. It's not a trick question. Look, everything that's going on with New York cleaning the subways and everyone using Clorox wipes and getting your flu shot, which should be the other message that's good? That's a good thing. So I have no problem with the behaviors. What I have a problem with is the panic and the fact that businesses are getting destroyed and people's lives are being upended, not by the virus, but by the panic. The panic must stop and the press, they really somehow need to be held accountable because they're hurting people. Um, He called them irresponsible and excessive. And now I'm getting Um, pop-ups. So like based on that, I agree with him. You so far you agree with his original. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's saying, mm-hmm. and and I still don't, for the record. It, I, I don't disagree either. If there's you know there's no doubt in my mind that 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 this pandemic that we have um, doesn't have some form of legitimacy legitimacy to it. Like mm-hmm. there's there's some legitimacy to it, but. Is it is our reaction to it um, precedented? You know, like is it is have we ever reacted to anything like this that has the scale um, of this or worse? No. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we're the way that we're reacting is what Doctor Drew is talking about. He's not he's not saying that it's not a potential threat. He's not saying that it's. Um, he wasn't saying that it's not a potential threat and it wasn't something that you didn't need to pay attention to. In fact, he said the opposite of that. He mm-hmm. said, you know, do make sure that you're doing those good things and those things are good and pay attention to the experts as they deliver their the their informed truths. Um, but stop freaking out and stop causing people to freak out. I think that that's – I think that's fine and I'm a little bit sad that Drew 
decided to to recant. To yeah. recant. Mm-hmm. So uh, that doesn't really answer your question, but yeah, the question is: Is there some sort of moral responsibility? If well, you do something wrong, it's hard for you to answer the question. If your your stance is he didn't do anything wrong, as far as I'm concerned, so, right? Like, he didn't do he anything. No moral he didn't do anything wrong, unless there's more that I'm missing. I don't, you know, if he's like denying evidence or things like that. But you know, he didn't do anything wrong, as far as I'm concerned. And yes, if you did something wrong, uh, you know, not just by opinion, not upsetting the, not upsetting, not upsetting people with a certain agenda. Mm-hmm but you you actually did something wrong then you definitely have a responsibility to apologize but i don't see any problem with what he's saying he's saying pay attention to the medical experts follow their advice and don't cause people to freak out that seems like good advice no matter what the situation is even if it was people are dropping dead in the streets as you walk outside it's not a good idea to freak out mm-hmm. yeah uh i think that it, like it boils down to just another issue of where you're, where you're like, what is true and what is not based on the information we're given. Um, and I don't know, I feel pretty strongly that he was right in challenging the, the media specifically, yeah. because let's face it, the media doesn't exactly have the best reputation. It, especially in recent history in the last few years, you know, like, you know, respected journalists being, um, uh, what do you call it? Exposed. Exposed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, found out as liars or whatever, um, bad reporting or whatever. So RIP, you know, like Brian Brian Williams or thinking about Brian, Matt Lauer. That's a different issue. I guess those are different (laughs) issues, but, but you know, like your, your respect for these journalists has gone down quite a bit. It's like, is nothing sacred. And news outlets are, divided on two sides so it's like yeah it's i think he's right in challenging um challenging the media and the media's influence but um yeah what's your what's your take pastor pastor monty well you know as normal my take is a little bit complex uh, I, I would actually to address your first question i would actually say that dr drew has a moral obligation to stand by the truth and the moral obligation is that what he initially said is correct, and there's nothing that he should walk back. Um, I believe that the 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 based on the information which was present, um, based upon the you know how he approached it and what was happening when he made the statement, his statement is correct. Now the broader question in regard to morality would be, um, you know, is it is he going to stand by the correctness of what he had to say? Look, when they start first, when they started first making the assertions that they were making, uh, Dr. Fauci okay, okay. and the team that he was responsible for, mm-hmm. they were using modeling Uh, They have uh, models that they use in order to make projections for these types of things. And they were using computer models, which were, uh, didn't have sufficient data to put out the, uh, the right information. And that's the reason why you've seen, as they've been able to put more information into their computer model, they have downsized significantly from initially 200,000 deaths 
to uh, now uh, just above 60,000. Well, I have a problem with the statistics they're operating off of too because they keep using the flu as the sort of uh, backdrop or you know, comparison for how bad this is right. or isn't. But the flu has been around for however many decades, like the, the common flu as we know it. And so mm-hmm. they're using averages based off of, off of those numbers. But you have this new thing, which is new. <laughs> and so you, it's hard to it's hard to gauge like really what right, that right exactly what that that's, means. So there's a problem exactly. automatically with the numbers they're using, like because this is a new thing and we don't know how bad it is and what an actual number would be given the amount of time if this thing were around. So I don't know. It's it it seems well they like were bad using information science. Not only that, Adam. Not only that. They were using information that was outside of the United States. So they were using information that we were getting from Italy and from other countries that had been uh, devastated by this in a greater fashion. So the, the, the information they were putting into their computer model in order to make these predictions was uh, w- presented um, a false expectation of what might or might not so, happen. So, so let me but, ask... This first started. You know, I, I've come to the conclusion. Listen, if 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 President, you listening, President Trump, if President Trump would call me, um, a lot of this stuff could be straightened out. <laughs> okay. Because, because I told I, my wife and I were talking about this, and I told her two hundred thousand deaths. That's ridiculous. That's 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 not the issue. Um, so Dr. Drew is correct. So here's my last point in regard to Dr. Drew. Uh, my issue would be that he didn't stick to his guns and he didn't say what I said initially is accurate and I'm not backing down. Now, why is he backing off? Well, you know, if I actually had a, a talk with Dr. Drew, I would say that it's very likely that the networks and the, and the, the, uh, the, the sponsors which promote his programs. I don't know who promotes his programs. I thought he was well, like a self. No, but he's, no, he's but got he has sponsors. a podcast, for he example. He used to have a thing on HLN, but it got canceled when he was, um, I think he was uh, something about Hillary. There was some, some reason he got canceled. Hmm. Well, he's been very vocal about what's going on in the L.A. area and the danger of what's happening in the uh, squatter camps and what have you. Um, and so that could be true, but somebody from my assertion would be that I would be more likely to say, Dr. Drew, uh, stand your ground because you said nothing wrong and you don't need to give in to these people that are pressuring you possibly financially to keep your mouth shut. I ask, wouldn't walk back a thing. Let me ask this. So it was mentioned, you know, a little bit ago, but you were talking about how Fauci himself has, you know, sort of, uh, you know, adapted his viewpoint and, you know, new information has come out and stuff like that. So he's been forced to acknowledge different things as they've come up um, regarding the thing. And so he's maybe changed his stance or he's maybe, you know, saying it's more serious or this is what you should do or this is what you should expect, you know, as as new information arises. He hasn't said I was wrong. Right. I'm not saying that. He just changes his position. But so my question as it, as, it, as it relates to like Dr. Drew and someone like Dr. Drew, and it could have been any of us that's making a public statement like this or, you know, talking to our friends or whatever, like 
how much responsibility is on him when he's operating off of information that's given by our authorities or our experts in any given whatever. Like, and if things are changing, of course, maybe his, his stance would slightly change or he would, you know, maybe give a little bit more credit to this or that. Like, so should he be held like to the fire for it because this is such a fluid thing? The, the team that, that, uh, vice president, um, Pence. You know, Pence has been has been uh, working with has had to make multiple clarifications in regard to where they were getting their original information versus um, where they are now within the past week or so, and so they have tried to clarify uh, that they were working from models in which the information was flawed because there was insufficient data fed into the models. Dr. Fauci and Dr. Briggs have been very careful to make it clear that the original information that they put out um, was put out in the fashion that it was because they had no idea and nothing to go on. The original assertion of Dr. Fauci, by the way, if you go back and you watch the, the progression of this, the original assertion was that this was coming out of China. It had nothing to do with it's It's not a big deal, and we don't need to be worried about it. Yeah. That was his original assertion before it began to, um, before it began to migrate into the United States. And the only reason it stopped migrating was because President Trump took seriously the issue and put a travel ban on anybody coming into the United States at the end of January it, against the advice of Dr. Fauci. Yeah, people – the thing is people are doing the best they can. I think that that is evident. I, I, don't, I don't think that there's – some people think that there's, you know, conspiracies here and there with oh, yeah. with they these have, things. I, I, I think that uh, Joseph Jesse's trying to argue with you on the thread. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Hey, you know, Joe, if you want to call on the show and uh, <laughs> you want to call on the show and have a conversation with Pastor Monty, we can try to set that up. It might make for interesting TV as long as you can be uh, – as long as you both can be respectful. Um, I'm respectful, but you better be clear of your facts because I, I got nothing to do but watch the news, Joe. <laughs> Pity him. <laughs> but, hey, this isn't let's, – let's be clear. This is not about that, right? This isn't about COVID you know, and the things surrounding COVID. This is about the idea of like public recanting. Mm-hmm. So and whether whether it's necessary in a time like this, whether you have a moral obligation, I think that I think that um, if you have if you've made a if you've made a stand and you think that that stand is still true, then, you know, you have a responsibility not to recant. I agree. If you if you seriously think that you were wrong and there's some sort of there's some sort of reason for you to think that you're wrong other than pressure, 
then then you should definitely recant, you know? And I, and I don't think it should be seen like what Adam was saying earlier, like all of all of these things are constantly evolving. So I what I worry is that it's just yeah, thank you. Joe says no apology owed especially in this fluid situation. Exactly. All of these things are constantly evolving and I, I if you listen to what Drew said, Drew was just asking for people to be um you know, smart yeah, about it. Keep their eyes on the situation and their ears on the situation. And like I said earlier, like if you walked out into the street and saw people dropping dead, maybe you get inside quickly for sure. But what you don't do is throw your hands up in the air and scream, you know, panic and then run around the streets and then go to your local grocery store and start breaking in windows and getting supplies. You know what I mean? Which by the way, that's apparently starting to happen. I was reading this morning in several cities and counties around the country, they've seen, you know, a 70% spike in, in burglaries and, a, you know, a 65% and a 27%. And, um, but anyways, sorry to there. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're calling – I think that Drew was calling people to Keep- – to have to be temperate, yeah. you know, and I think that that should be the case even in the middle of if you go into war, if you go into a war zone, you can't lose your head. Yeah, that's what kills an entire platoon. or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Losing your head. And so I, I'm sad. I think I'm, I'm sad for for Drew. His entire career has been well, his entire radio career anyway. His, you know, but in front of a camera career has been spent talking about controversial things mm-hmm. um, and being, you know, having people take issue with him for for controversial things. His job is not easy. If you've ever listened to Loveline or people watched. even like say that he's not a real doctor, which is completely false. Right, like, he has an actual practice. Unfounded. He has, a, he has an actual practice in like Pasadena or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. he's quite the expert. Yeah. So. But yeah, he's probably just been getting it for a long time. He's mm-hmm. been getting it for a long time and he's just tired of it and he's gotten, you know, he's he's had people on him forever and I feel bad for him because I don't think he yeah, said anything I'm, wrong. I'm very suspicious of the word recant mm. because of all of the things that surround it. I prefer to if, – if, look, if you assert something with this – and I agree 100 percent with you, Josh – if, if you assert something and what you asserted originally is dead wrong, then you have a moral obligation to correct that and to walk that back to the correct position. Uh, and, and that's where your moral obligation lies. But if you, if you make a statement and your statement is accurate, then you have a moral obligation to stand by what you said, regardless of the storm that surrounds it. Yeah. That's what uh, being a Christian is all about. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but uh, in all seriousness, if if you would like to call into the show, Joe, uh, you can always call Adam's phone and we'll, we'll, try, we'll try to set you up to talk about it because, um, you know, it is interesting stuff. But So perhaps this is a um... – not not easily answered question, but uh, I just want to use his words to to ask a question. So he's you know he recanted, 
And he apologized and he used the words that he was part of a, a chorus of people who were saying, you know, what's true or what's not true. Um, so the question is, how do we, how can we avoid being part of um, the wrong chorus? Not saying that he was, but um, how do we avoid putting ourselves in those positions to begin with? I don't think you can. Just because the nature of people. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it a lot on this program and, and the nature of council, uh, council, cancel culture, yeah. right? That's, you know, people want to strong arm and bandwagon their, um, their positions mm -hmm. and they want to place you into polarized camps even when you don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. So all you can do is, you know, well, even even with Drew, right? He was temperate in his response to what was going on. He was willing for his mindset to change. He told people to – I think Drew like played it very well. So, you know, I think the only thing, the only thing that he did wrong is what he did now, which yeah. is, you know, he allowed their narrative to control his narrative. Um, I don't, I don't think that you can avoid that. People are going to put you where they want to put you. So you just have to, maybe the one thing that you can do is be good with it. Yeah. Who was I? I was talking. Oh, I was talking to a coworker about that just yesterday. Like when it comes to truth and your, you know, convictions toward it, you have to be good with being the enemy to many people. Yeah. Well, the other night, <clears throat> um, on Thursday night, uh, for episode four of Nightlight, there was um, – we were talking about a story where a woman – I think it was a woman uh, – was saying how she didn't want to share the gospel, for instance. She wasn't bold in that way mm -hmm. um, because she didn't want to be lumped in with a certain crowd um, and that never did good – never did good by her to speak boldly. You know, the truth is is that we speak boldly about a lot of things and <laughs> – it doesn't make us – it doesn't mean that we fully agree with every aspect of that truth, let alone with every aspect of the camp that agrees with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's so funny because we live in a world where we want to – where we want things to be subjective. You know, we want to say that your position is your position or – and my position is my position or even further than that, we want to say there is no real truth. Mm -hmm. But yet Until. when <laughs> when somebody offends you, mm -hmm. that's when you're like, oh, you're part of the larger evil. Mm -hmm. You know, like you got to have a – you got to have a thicker skin about that. Mm -hmm. You just got to be strong in who you are and – Specifically, make sure that who you are is right before God, and then you'll be able to actually, you know, hold that position um, better than than you would otherwise. And, and I think I, I don't think we can go around worrying about how we're going to look. Scripture is really clear: we should not be respecters of men. You know, be a respecter of God, not respecters of men. We can't be worried about how we can look. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't be articulate. Mm -hmm. Right, because we don't want to accidentally put something out there that we could have controlled that doesn't really represent how we feel, mm -hmm. um, because that is essentially lying. Yeah, articulate and like 
um, like with love, like still treating people as people. You right. Know? Yeah. Your boldness you're needs not... to come in love for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. If that's not coming through, there's a problem with that. And that's, but that's uh, Dr. Drew's situation here is the perfect example because I feel like he was being loving. Mm. You know, he was being loving. He was being articulate. He was being open to new information, all of those things. Mm-hmm. And they threw him under the bus. Mm-hmm. And now he feels like he has to recant. Sorry, Drew, you don't have to recant, you know, you can apologize, but you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I approach this, uh, first of all, I, I approach this with, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you what my IDBI syndrome kicks in. Okay. All right. I, I'm going to give you one minute and then we're going to switch topics. <laughs> Okay, so my IDBI kicks in. I don't believe it. And I don't throw away my common sense just because people start throwing outrageous statistics out there. So one of the first things when my wife and I were discussing this and we're looking at the assertion that we could have up to 200,000 deaths from from what this virus brings to us, that's an outrageous assertion if you understand statistics. And, you know, I have an education, so I don't just throw out what I know because somebody makes a wild assertion. And I don't, so I don't remove common sense and I don't remove looking at the analytics of what it is that somebody is saying. And that's why I approach these things very, very cautiously uh, when it comes to listening to what somebody has to say. I feel like you didn't – I feel like how you just stated that didn't really unpack your position enough. I feel like you made a claim you know, about the 200,000, how that's an outrageous assertion, but you didn't really you know, um, give any evidence or reason for anybody to think that that is wow. somehow related to you being educated. Well, do the math. Do, uh, do the math and understand the math behind this. Right. So, so here's what I'm saying. Here's what I, here's what I'm saying. What I mean by that, in, in terms of being articulate, right? This is the conversation about being articulate. So, what I what I mean by that is, we cannot all just assume that the other person is working with the same facts and data as us. Yeah. But then, on top of not just assuming that, which I think is like. You have that education. I have no doubt that that's true. I don't sit in front of a TV all day and listen to the news. Um, th- I'm not saying that that's all you do, but, you know, based on your earlier comment. Um, no, pretty much. I'm retired. Okay. So especially now that you're not driving Lyft um, and that you teach from home. So anyway, but um, you can't just assume that other people have the same information and talk to them as if they do. Right. It's not like you guys uh, have a universal um, uh, course material. You know, it's not like it's like your students and they're supposed to have read this material. But then the other thing is we have to remember that people can have the same facts and even the same level of education and come to different conclusions. And so I don't disagree with that. But uh, so let's go back to what we were told by what we've been no, told no, no. I don't, I, I, I'm not looking I'm not Fauci. I'm not looking to unpack that conversation I'm what I'm talking about is articulation is just you know that we need to be articulate 
in how we say things. And if we if we're not inviting a conversation about something, if if we want to keep our focus where it it needs to be, then we have to be careful about opening up conversational tangents that people will drop into. You know what I mean? Okay, so Josh, let me clarify and state very clearly that when I am presented with something, um, I come to it as one that, uh, that doubts the validity of what's being said until I can verify it. Sure. That's where I come from. And speaking of things that we want to verify, Lucy Brown just made a comment. She said, the surge in crime has something to do with prisoners being let go due to COVID. Yes, it does to a degree. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know. I mean, that statistic wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, like but. that's 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 reasonable as as definitely part of that. I don't know that you could say that it's solely because of that, but that's an assertion that that's should a claim. be looked at and sought to be verified. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. All right, let's let's move on. Um, so thank you to the people that you know were contributing to this discussion. Um, I want to lighten the mood, and I want to bring back a little a little game. So we've got people waiting in the wind for us uh, that are calling in to participate in today's culture and sanity insanity trivia. So, uh, Josh, if you will. Yes, I will. <laughs> Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Hello, hello. One second to you all. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Who do we have today on our show? Uh, you got Paul Rax on the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Paul Rax. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, I can't top that. You got... James Pierzyna on the phone. You can't top that? I don't even know what that means. Do you wish your name was Paul? <laughs> no, I just, uh, the, the the quality of, the, of his introduction. <laughs> oh, okay, I see. All right, boys, well, thank you for uh, being here and being willing to participate. So we're trying to lighten the mood. We've been talking about Dr. Drew and, uh, you know, moral responsibility to and, and how we navigate this situation, but we want to lighten the mood a little bit. So... Today, we're doing a trivia with the overarching topic of just being stuck. And so, our trivia uh, questions, if you call them that, today is movies about being stuck. So, uh, put on your pop culture caps and get ready for uh, movies about being stuck, okay? You follow? I think so. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Paul Brack sounds scared. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Paul, you're, you're going up against me It's a piece of cake, man You got this in the bag All right we'll see. James say, knows a lot I'll say again are, These are all movies To narrow it down for you So, first all up right. A young man on house arrest Isn't the most trustworthy source When he suspects his neighbor Of being a killer Oh, man I know the movie I can't think of the name It's Shia LaBeouf oh. That's pretty good Think. Uh, I'll give you guys a hint. Think Rihanna. <laughs> just gonna throw, yeah, you're just going to throw them off. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember that one. No. Oh, man. I can picture it. I've seen the movie like three times. 
three times. Uh, it sounds like a, a remake of. Uh, it is a Rear, Rear Window, Rear Window. by Alfred Hitchcock. Correct. It is a uh, retelling of the same basic story. Yeah, but and, uh, I, don't, I haven't seen it probably. All right, I'm going to end you then. The movie is Disturbia. <laughs> that's the Rihanna comment. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it by is. Rihanna. All right, zero zero. Next up, they just want to escape, so they hatch a plan to do so. Angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you another tell, bird movie. You can tell Paul has young kids. <laughs> yeah, Paul has kids. <laughs> they just want to escape, and so they hatch a plan to do so. Does this happen to have two old, two old stars? No, no, that doesn't make sense. That was. Why, why are we so bad at this? Jay? It is an animated movie. Give you a few more seconds. Uh, I have no idea. I can't place Nothing this either. Chicken Run. Oh, okay. Chicken, Chicken oh Run. That's a great gosh. movie. They were stuck. <laughs> All right. Okay. Next up. A deadbeat heavy metal band breaks into a radio station with fake guns and orders the DJ to play their music. Correct! Oh, nice. Oh, Brax took the first point. I've actually seen that one. I just couldn't remember what it was called. (laughs) I actually like that movie. That had a young young Brendan Fraser. Yeah. The great Adam said correct. The great Adam Sandler. So one nothing to Paul. Next up. Some of this film's funniest moments are the ones when a boy is simply appreciating having the house to himself and trying to Home become alone. independent as a result. Home Alone. Correct. Paul Braggs coming out. Oh, that's wow. like, that's that's the plot of so many movies, though. Good. Yeah, well, Home yeah. Alone. Definitely is iconic. <laughs> Good job. Next up. Teenagers from different backgrounds and social circles whose day stuck indoors. Oh my gosh, he's running away with it. I didn't even get to finish. I didn't even get to finish. I'm sorry. I'll let you finish this time. Detention never looked so fun was the last sentence. Right. (laughs) Okay, three nothing to Paul. And lastly, which makes Paul the automatic winner by default with no chance to come back, but pride to save, James. Pride to save. Right. Lastly. If you're going to be trapped in an elevator, it's probably better to be trapped alone. At least then, you only have your own demons to deal with. Well, I'm, I'm not going to win at all, then. I definitely don't. <laughs> so pride was lost today. <sighs> if you're going to be trapped in an elevator, it's probably better to be trapped alone. At least then, you only have your own demons this to deal with. This is an with. M. Night Shyamalan film, right? Written or produced by, yes. Yeah. Instead of an elevator or something? No. James doesn't like M. Night Shyamalan. Clearly, the answer is devil. <laughs> never, never seen it. Yeah. Not never. amazing. Not his. Not amazing. Not his most known work. But okay, Paul Brax with the win and the interim title holder during Corona Virus Pandemic 2020. Good job, Paul. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks there, for calling in, guys. There's a chance for a comeback in the toilet bowl, though, right? The, <laughs> the losing bracket? Uh, sure. We'll, we'll talk sure. about that. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good day. Stay safe. All right. Thank you. God bless. All right. Good to have a little uh, lightheartedness back in our show. All right. 
Well, we only have 15 minutes left, so would we rather... Yeah, no, I'm just going to decide for us. So, oh, what's his name? I wanted to name drop him by his Tom Cruise. No. Yui Bull. About the topics we're talking about, Josh, you're just <laughs> operating off of nothing that was Come mentioned. on, Yui Bull, that was a good pull. His name is Terry something or other. Terry Cruz. No. Terry... The topics we're talking about, Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hulk Hogan. Ah, you said it. I didn't want to oh, say it. Oh, I'm sorry. His name is Terry something. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to get around that. Anyways, Hulk Hogan, also known by his real name as Terry. It's like Terry Bollea or something like that. It's is something. it? Yeah, it's something. Terry um, Bollea? Terry's his first name. Like, terrible? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, he, anyways, Hulk Hogan uh, has recently made some headlines. I say some headlines because it's not massive headlines. But sure. he's made some headlines and become relevant <laughs> again on in some capacity. Oh, he's um, always been relevant to people who loved him. I don't even know what to make of that <laughs> statement. His name is Terry Bollea. Of course he's relevant to people that love him. There's a whole slew of people that love him. I'm not doubting that. How dare you? As I you? understand relevant, I'm referring to it in in the mass. How dare you make fun of the Hulkster? Relevant in today's uh, culture. Although WWE, you're right, does have a massive following worldwide. Not only is his name Terry Bollea, but his middle name is Gene. It is Bollea? It is Bollea. Oh, Terry Jean Bollea. The Gene really undoes <laughs> the Hulkster's persona. Right. Gene. And if, and if, you, uh, if you ever watch anything uh, in regard to Hulk Hogan, he definitely believes that he is always relevant. Hulkamania. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a performer. Anyways, so he was in some headlines recently talking about this pandemic. Again, we're talking about the pandemic because that's what's in the news. But, um, and I want to unpack this and unpack his citation um, with our last you know, 15 or so minutes. A little sure. less. So he said this on his Instagram page. God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums, brother. He didn't actually say brother. Oh, uh, he <laughs> tell you. Brother. Brother. <laughs> you want to worship athletes? I will shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I'll shut down the civic centers. You want to worship actors? I'll shut down theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. And you want to go to church? You don't want to go to church and worship me. I'll make it where you can't go to church. And in a in a I can't remember if it was a previous post or a post following that um, Instagram post he made. He uh, took a picture, and it's a picture that's sort of going viral during this time. I've seen it reposted several times on Facebook by different people. Uh, and it's a picture of a Bible opened up to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Um, which, do, do you, one of you guys have that on, on? I might have it on my phone actually right now. Um, I'll post it. Yeah. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. One of the says, most misunderstood verses in Scripture. I have it right here. Uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. So this scripture is going viral on some capacity on social media. Um, the scripture is always going viral. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, a lot of the times out of context, as you said. But In fact, um, I think, uh, the, uh, shameless plug for you, in October we're going to be discussing the scripture during cross-examination. Maybe. Well. 
whether it's digital or not, <laughs> it's, it's happening. <laughs> All right. So he's saying this thing about um, the way people uh, are being challenged in, in their previous lives, if you will, before COVID. Um, and he's saying it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's forcing people to um, come to terms with the fact that they haven't prioritized God is the long and short right. of what he's saying. And then he's quoting this, uh, this verse out of Second Chronicles chapter 7. What do we want to analyze and take away from Hulk Hogan speaking on this issue? Um, first, let's let's focus on his um, his uh, interpretation of the of the virus. Um, do you guys agree? Disagree? What do we want to take away from that? You know, God has taken away everything we worship. You know, athletes and movies and and so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> I love it. I don't love his use of scripture. That's the second part. Yeah, <laughs> I don't love his use of scripture, but I love what he's saying. I think it's really insightful. Um, I think that anybody who thinks that the virus is organic in nature and therefore God is not a part of that problem um, doesn't understand God's sovereignty and God's power. And I know that opens up a can of worms for people <laughs> like, oh, are you saying that God's killing all these people? Mm. Uh, well, if what you're saying is that it's so simplistic as to say that God is not involved in people's deaths, um, then if you force me to have a position, a simplistic one that doesn't fully describe the nature of what I'm talking about, then yes, I would rather err on the idea that God is killing these people. Um, because otherwise God doesn't make sense. And, you know, yeah, then everything falls apart, including your worldview. So, um, not to throw down such a huge can of words, but just, this is when I say if you want to get in discussion with Josh about this, you can call his phone. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? If you want to get into a philosophical discussion with me on the air about that, I welcome it. Mm, and he will stand <laughs> by his convictions toward yeah. truth. Full circle on the episode. But, Good night, everyone. But like, <laughs> but like what Pastor Monty says, Pastor Monty says, you better come with your facts. I say you better come with your speed. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, bring back, to Hulk Hogan. Back, to, <laughs> back to Hulk Hogan. Back to Hulk Hogan. Back to Hulk Hogan. it's insightful? I think it's super insightful. I think it's super insightful. I have very similar thoughts. Mm. I think that the virus is, of course, un, an unfortunate reality um, and I do think that its effect is large and massive and a result of sin. Mm -hmm. But do I think that God is sovereign and is using this in order to prove a point to people that it has multiple purposes, that it's not just a one, bad thing that's yeah, happening? One dimensional. Yeah. yeah, that it's not a one dimensional reality that's happening to us. Absolutely. If you are a person who is a Christian or a philosopher in any way, um, the idea that, that, Somehow everything in life has meaning, but this doesn't, doesn't really make sense. You're being disingenuous with the truth. It has meaning for you and it's time for you. I agree with, I agree with what he's saying. It's time for you to reconsider your values. Mm -hmm. And I think that everybody who's being honest is going to, um, wow, Tiffany, Tiffany just posted, but not to our live feed. <laughs> She posted that the she, debate? yeah, oh. she said that sounds like it would be fun, but really unproductive. Eh, not necessarily. I don't know that it'd be unproductive, but, 
I don't, I, I, I more lean on the lines that it'd be, it would be fun, but not necessarily, or that it would be productive, but not necessarily fun. Uh, uh. <laughs> but anyway, um, <clears throat> what was I saying? Uh, uh, yeah, if you're just, if you're a person who, if you don't want to be disingenuous, then this time in your life, if you're taking any time to think about what your priorities are, you know, then you have to believe, um, wow. Uh, sorry. I just got another response from her. You have to believe in something higher than yourself. Mm -hmm. You, you have to. Because why else would you – why else would you reevaluate? It doesn't really make sense, you know. And why – yeah. And why do you feel a certain way toward this and call it good or bad or sure. whatever? It just is. If there's no basis for that for you. Good yeah, yeah. or bad or sad that this is happening. Why is this sad that this is happening? Yeah, it why just is. Why do you is. feel for the people that are dying? But I do think that the point the, – to the specific points that he makes about um, the idols that we worship – and it, it's interesting coming from him because he's been that idol before. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, for sure. Yeah. So um, and still is to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think that the point he makes is insightful. And then, you know, saying it the opposite direction and saying, you know, those people who refused to go to church, you know, and to be a part of the, the gathering, as the scripture would put it, like now you don't get that opportunity and look at what what it gets you. I, yeah. Do I think God is using this? A hundred percent. Anything you want to add briefly on his first his first post there, uh, Pastor? I mean, I agree with Josh. I think that that um, you know that there is insight that is there. The last point that was made is my starting point. That's uh, that's basically his world, and so he's extending. He's making the assertion that uh, all of these idols in our uh, in how our society in our society runs, uh, basically, are being called into challenge because of this, mm -hmm. and I, I tend to agree with that. It is insightful from a uh, from an academic and a theological perspective. It's something uh, that is uh, fascinating, and uh, could you could have some discussion with. So you know, it doesn't it doesn't affect me because I don't have any of those idols, so I'm not really concerned or worried about it. But from an academic standpoint, I agree with him. I think it's interesting. Okay. And I would agree with you both too. Can, um, can I um, – I, I have a thought. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> so one of the discussions that we've been having on this show sort of behind the scenes is you know, whether, whether we need to expand the definition of what culture is simply because mm. – the definition seems to be expanding in people's minds, mm. right? And that's that's a good example. Like that's a real-time example of the fact that even us, where we have our, our priorities aligned with Scripture, we are having to adjust and, and have that discussion to adjust. Our show is based on culture, right? Pop culture specifically. Um, and we're having to uh, – we're having to adjust our definitions because pop culture is being completely redefined yeah. and yeah. to include politics, to include health, all of these things. And we're going to, I, I there is going to be a new normal. I don't think that there's going to be a return to the way things were, you know, yeah, for a lot of, for a lot of reasons, but I don't think there's going to be a return to way, to the way things were. So I, I think if you believe in God's sovereignty, 
then you have to you have to allow for the reality that he's using this. Do you think that um, this is just speculation now, but <clears throat> do you think that we'll see some sort of increase in let's call them church statistics when when this stage of things um, ends, whatever that means when it ends? Maybe briefly. Yeah, just a spike, maybe, and then people will forget. So I think a lot of like, do you think we talk? We've been talking about habit forming. You know, yeah. When, when major things happen, habits change, and the habits adapt, and habits form. Uh, different habits form, but um, yeah, you don't think that there'll be a, a longer lasting effect of in in line with what he's saying. You don't think that you'll see a any sort of significant increase in people. Um, really wanting to pursue that relationship. With I, I do, but I think that there'll be an offset. And I think that, uh, having a relationship with God is, isn't a sprint. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So I think that you might see a spike because people are going, I think you'll see spikes in lots of things. So you then know? the church then has a huge responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. If that spike is to come, I was, I, I was having, church... I was having a conversation with a fellow church worker yeah. and what was being said was, um, you know, it was it was along the it was along the issue of live streaming and whether that's something that we want to to implement and you know people if if live streaming happens then actually I guess I've had this conversation multiple times now I'm thinking about yeah. it with other church workers yeah. um, but if live streaming happens then you know people aren't going to come back to church um, one of the things that we're doing as a church it's just to sort of um, open the doors for you for a late and one of the things that we're doing as a church is we sent out ribbons to all of our congregation um, because you know this is resurrection weekend essentially and they can't come to the church and we want to be respectful of government orders right. so they can't come to the church but we still want to show solidarity so what we did was we sent purple ribbons and asked our church members to um, put them on their doors and then take a picture of them and then put them on social media under the hashtag body, not the building, right? To show solidarity that we are, that we are a, um, a church body, even if we don't have a building that we can go to, right? And so as I was kind of talking with a, another church worker about this hashtag and what we wanted to do, one of the things that was, was said to me is, you uh -huh. know, sorry? What? I said, sorry. Yeah. One of the things that was uh, said to me was, you know, that's just going to make people – and I think it was a joke to be honest, but, you know, I don't know. I've, I've had, I've had multiple people not as a joke talk yeah. to me about this. Yeah. Um, they said, you know, well, that's just going to encourage people to stay home, you know? And so my thought process on this – it's a long setup to get to this process, but my thought process on this is – and this is what I told them – if your church is going to stay home because you provide things like that, then you have a much bigger problem than COVID. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the truth. That's not the case here at, at ABF. Um, I think that our, I think that our organization, our local body will stay basically the same, if not grow. And I think you are going to see a polarization where people who like 
the Hulkster has pointed out, who have sort of denied church and now realize that even that is something that they can't take for granted. I think that you're going to have some people who do come back to church. Um, but I think you are going to have a lot of wheat from the tares, mm. as Jesus would put it, who, you know, their hearts weren't really there. And now they're going to realize that they can, you know, that that's not necessary. And I think that that's going to outweigh drastically. Yeah. And I think you're going to see a lot of churches that are going to close even more. And for those of you who don't know, to peer back the curtain, churches are closing rapidly. All over the nation, they were closing before this. Yeah, and right now I'm thinking that, like, it even happens on people, like, on a personal level for people. So right now we're talking, like, on a, on a global level, you know, with a, with a large number of people. But... Even when people go through like personal trauma or something, or maybe they lose someone, and so now they're asking questions about what that means for their lives and stuff, or you know they go through an intense event of some kind. Right. They do maybe ask those questions for a short amount of time, but then they'll go back to normal. You know, in a lot of cases, not every not every case, obviously, but um, so you're saying it's it's probably going to be just like that, but on a on a bigger level. You well, have it's, a lot it's, of it's... people for a short amount of time, but then they'll. There's a term that I, I like to use here at ABF. They're ours to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was saying. The church has a big responsibility to right. sink their claws, not to sound so sinister about it, but really like grab hold. Well, yeah. I mean the reason why you have so many people <clears throat> who are unchurched, especially in Portland, is because of the church, mm-hmm. right? The church has has basically refused to do their responsibility to tether people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have not grounded people in doctrine and scripture and the local body. They've treated it as a smorgasbord and as, uh, and as a means to consolidate their own power through, you know, tithing and, and, um, and sort of a Gnostic interpretation of, um, a Gnostic division between what we call the lay people and the clergy. Um, so, you know, basically churches where you go to get expertise that's not the scriptural way of looking at it. And I think that there's a huge price to pay. And we're going to see that the churches who have taken this moment to um, sort of unravel their thinking, to change the way they behave, to fill in the gaps, all of these things, um, as the Hulkster is saying, but on a church scale and not an individual scale, right. those are the churches that are going to succeed. I think that there will be many, many churches who close their doors because they refused to adapt the way that every uh, that every local church through the ages ha- uh, that has thrived adapts. You know, the church didn't die in Nazi Germany and it didn't die in Rome. You know, it's not dead in China, but the willy nilly church that gets together and just sort of celebrates and parties um, that treats church like it's a local, you know, club or hangout or things like that, that isn't doing the work of spreading the gospel or speaking truth into the situation um, of the world that isn't doing the, that isn't being the hands and feet of Christ. Yeah, that church is going to die just like it has throughout the ages and it needs to. Mm-hmm. So, so will there be a, a revival? Um, sure. But do I think that more churches are going to die? Yeah, I do. And I think what you're going to see is uh, a polarization of true Christianity. So a stronger church. But a smaller church. But a smaller church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been noticing, and we we need to wrap up the show, but real quick and real quick, I've been noticing the same thing in terms of business. The businesses that are surviving, and there's some businesses that were specifically highlighted by you know governors and presidents, for right. example, that said cease operation. So not much can be done there. But there are other businesses where I've been noticing how they you know are thinking outside the box to adapt their services and what they provide and those are the businesses that are able to um you know withstand a blow like this but the ones that are just you know throwing their hands up and giving up are going to shut their doors and you know board their windows or whatever because they're going to close but same sort of thing um i want to i don't want to ignore the passage he cited and this is going to be where we end on so sure however brief we can make this he cites Second Chronicles chapter seven. Um, he cites it accurately or inaccurately? Uh, inaccurately. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not inaccurate, right? It's just if he, the principles, the he, principles yeah. are accurate, right? It's just that 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 passage isn't his to cite. It's a it's a Jewish passage meant right. for the Israelites, yeah. specifically talking about the nation of Israel. Yeah, God's talking to Solomon um, after the temple is built, so it's it's addressed to a people. Right, right. But you're saying the principle, the principles are there. So what do you you want to you want to explain what that means briefly? Well, basically speaking, when we look at at, at throwing a passage out and using that in some format, you have to keep it within context, and Josh is exactly right. The context here is that it's directed towards Israel, who is God's people, and he intends to restore them. But as far as the principle is concerned, any nation which turns to God and seeks for him to be the one whom they give honor to and guidance and who they live for is going to benefit from the fact that they do so. Right. And that principle stands forth in regard to the U.S. It's origins. I would only make this caveat in that um, Hulk Hogan's intent the is, is understood. Yeah. I understand, I understand his intent, but this is, goes back to what Josh was saying. Our responsibility as a, as a church – now is to ground our people uh, in some depth in regard to what it means to be a disciple of Christ so that when, when, uh, when we come up against these types of things, there is a correct, accurate, biblical perspective. And what Hulk Hogan is doing is, uh, is, is in my opinion, is uh, basically revealing uh, a little bit of his immaturity and not understanding the depth of the issues surrounding what he's asserting. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but but I do. Th- <laughs> okay, I, I, would, but I, I yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, you know. But I I I <sighs> yeah, I think that he uh, shouldn't have used that passage for sure. That passage, sure. it's just not. It's is there are way better passages that show that, you know, God blesses people who align themselves with him and that we should remember to align ourselves with God as opposed to, you know, as opposed to what we've been doing, especially in America. There's lots of better passages. That's not a good one. So maybe maybe his lack of uh, maybe his immaturity in terms of his uh, use of scripture. I don't. 
I think what he, I think his insights are profound. Yeah. I don't know that I'd ever thought that I would say that. <laughs> and on that note, the Hulkster. But seriously, on that note, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna end today's episode. So, um, yeah, thank you for people that tuned in and that will watch this in the future. And you know, stay vigilant out there and keep your eyes and your ears open and attuned to God and to Christ and to Scripture. And we'll see you uh, probably in a week. <laughs> see ya. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. 